Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Android Central podcast. My name is Shruti Shaker, and I am actually now we've we took a break last week、uh, because there was a lot going on with Prime Day, and、uh, there was a little bit of a transition happening at work.、Um, so now I am no longer the managing editor; I am the interim editor in chief. And I would like to also welcome my lovely friends、uh, and amazing teammates. Jerry Hildenbrand, hello, hello. Hi, I'm still just the resident idiot. <laughs> You're not. You are one of my favorite writers, and I've got Andrew Myrick. Hi, I'm also a resident idiot. You're also one of my favorite writers, <laughs> and I've got Nick Sutrick. Hi, Nick. I just get to play with cool gadgets. Whatever. That's okay. You're also one of my、it's, other favorite writers, so that's all、fine. that matters. We're good. <laughs> We're good. Everybody's your favorite. Yeah, you guys all are. You have to say that now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I do. You're contractually obligated. <laughs> None of y'all know will know will ever know what I truly feel about each one of you. No, I'm just kidding. You guys no, are all I, wonderful. I know. Oh, I know too. <laughs> okay,、um, so we've got a lot of fun、uh, things happening. Obviously, I think a lot of people have been bombarded with enough Prime Day deals, but. Aside from all of the deals that were happening, there was a lot of news that was happening, and I am excited to cover it all because I feel like we haven't really talked about some of the the tomfoolery that's been going on in the tech world. <laughs> so let's start off with、uh, you know the the major tomfoolery, which is、uh, Carl Pei,、uh, CEO founder of Nothing.、Uh, the article that that's titled、uh, the news article is titled Carl Pei talks down a nothing foldable and the stall of innovation.、Uh, so essentially, he doesn't foresee nothing creating a foldable anytime soon. He adds that foldables are niche and that they've become far too similar again after the initial splash. And nothing launched the Phone Two on July 11th、uh, with a starting price of 5.99 USD. And we're going to get to that review, well, initial review in just a second. But、uh, thoughts on this, and also the fact that they decide to launch a phone right smack down in the middle of Prime Day and make these statements. <laughs> Right. You know, if if I was going to say my company can't innovate, I would do it right before Prime Day. That way, nobody knows. Yeah, I mean, because that's what he did. He just said, "Hey, my company can't innovate." Yeah, and it's it's just so it does it just doesn't make sense that you would not only make those statements but decide to release a phone during a time when no one's going to pay attention to your launch.、Yep. Like it just just doesn't make sense to me. I I think the irony too is you know he he calls. Foldables,、uh, very incremental after the initial splash, right? But、uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing. Phone two is kind of incremental. Yeah, <laughs> that, fair that, enough. <laughs> I read a thing from an analyst that really just ripped apart that thing. The nothing phone two,、uh, and it's yeah, it's glyph interface, which I thought was funny. Uh, yeah. Well, one of the things that he also said was,、um, and he he quoted he's quoted saying this is, if you look at how the foldables are evolving, they're all the same again. He added, if you don't see the logo, I don't think a consumer can tell them apart. Okay, so like kind of fair statement, but also like yeah, I don't agree with that at all. That. Like I don't agree with that. Like every foldable I've seen on the market right now, yeah, there is a level of similarity, but they're all different. Like, 
It just doesn't make, I don't know why he would make that statement. I think there's a convergence in that we have decided that there is a flip and there is a fold. And pretty much every company that makes a foldable follows one of those two templates, right? Right. But if you're going on design and stuff, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that they are too samey at this point. This is not like the slab market where, I mean, honestly, most phones are pretty darn identical, right? Or they have you have a lot of innovation still. Well, yeah, I was just gonna mention Jerry that it's funny that it's also funny that they are making this claim because obviously with the nothing phone and I, I mean, you guys remember when we had Carl on the podcast, he was talking about the idea of using fashion and like innovating to a different design and, and being unique in their design. Which, fair enough, yes, the Nothing phone is a unique design and it has those lights and it's really cool. But, like, like it's, like, no offense, like, no one cares. No one really knows the Nothing phone. Like, unless you're in the Android, like, uh, super fan ecosystem, the majority of the people are going to be like, what's a Nothing phone? I don't know. That I, th- I feel like that's just what I think. I don't, do you, I don't know if you guys agree. Well, it's got the perfect name. Right. <laughs> now, now, I think... There's a potential for the name to become a little more prominent now that it's launching in North America. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the initial phone, I think, did pretty well, considering that it was a completely unknown brand, regardless of Carl Pay's presence. You know, this is a new brand coming into an extremely saturated market, to say the least. Um, and, and the numbers that they sold, again, according to whatever they told us, we'll just take them, take their word for it, um, are are fairly impressive. Um, they, they seem to have made a fair amount of money on something that I don't really think people thought they would make. Because, again, it's it's a saturated market, right? Yeah, just to interrupt you for a second, just to say those numbers, um, it's reported that Phone One shipped around 750,000 units, uh, which is close to a million. That's great. But that still doesn't really claim that the phone is that popular yeah samsung sure. sold that many in five minutes <laughs> you know let's yeah. not give it too much credit that's of course more numbers than i could make building a phone in my garage but it's it, right it's nothing when it comes to market share so <laughs> this, right this name. name is so easy to pun it's great 100 percent. uh yeah i don't i don't know and you know like the glyph interface okay I, I don't want to get too far into the review yet, although I suppose we could just use this as a, a segue. But well, I was just I was just gonna say we can let's just segue into yeah, it. Yeah, okay. let's just let's just do it. All right, the so, glyph interface. Wait, right. wait. Before you get to that, I okay, I want to just make note of one thing. So uh, you know, people who might be reading our website and seeing that initial review are probably like, why is this headlined as an initial review? So here's here's the deal. The launch of this phone was so incredibly bad. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm stating it. I'm putting it out there. It was so incredibly inconvenient and preposterously badly done, mainly because all of our writers were focused on Prime Day. Uh, Not just us. Every single website in the world. Yeah. And and the irony is that this was a U.S. you know slash Canada focused launch. And, yeah, uh, and guess and that what's was real big in the U.S. on July 11th this year. Exactly, <laughs> it it was so absolutely badly organized, 
and and they decided to slap the hands on i think well i don't i think it was like july 11th and then the review was july 13th and it's like are you kidding me who has time to review a phone and like it just literally did not make sense so if you are curious as to why nick's headline for his article it is titled nothing phone to initial review something fun something new it's because he literally had I don't know, Nick, how long did you have to, to, to review this phone? Uh, like, I, I started using the phone daily on Monday, so here we are Thursday. Yeah, it, I mean, you barely had time to look right. at this phone. And, and I've had it for a while, but, you know, the other problem was... Oh, yeah. This display, my eyes hate this display, and I couldn't yeah. use it for more than five minutes without wanting to throw up, so... That's, right. That's... About the launch, before we move too far away, yeah. I don't think this was a mistake. I, I think on one hand, it's very smart to release a product when nobody is paying attention because if, it's, if the response is bad, nobody has seen it and it allows the company to cherry pick what yeah. it amplifies. Yeah, that's so true. Clever. That's so okay. true. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. But also at the same time, as Nick was mentioning, if this was a very much of a U.S.-Canada-based launch you know like it just it it just doesn't make sense to me that you would do it on two of the most important days where most tech reporters around the country are just super busy but anyways right. let's get into the review okay so um nick why don't you why don't you take it away so you you did such an initial review you talked about price availability availability design and display software and camera and whether you should buy it or not and i mean obviously uh, that in itself, you know, you, you wrote quite a bit with the limited time that you had with the phone. So why don't you walk us through it? Okay. So we'll start with the basics, right? Of course, uh, as I said before, the headliner here is that this is a North American release, which is a big deal since the original was never available in North America. You could try to use it here, but it may or may not work depending on the geogra- geographical region you're in, the carrier you're using, etc. This one, on the other hand, is has got full... 5G network support on T-Mobile and AT&T. Uh, it's not compatible with Verizon. I suppose you could figure out a way to make it work, but, you know, Verizon is Verizon. It's 600 bucks for a version with 8 gigs of RAM and 128 gigs of storage. And then from there, you add an extra 100 bucks for more RAM and more storage. Um, so far, it's only available on Nothing's website. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that does that that played well enough for sony with the psvr2 but uh nothing is not sony so (laughs) well we'll see how many they sell on there if they can drum up enough excitement toward this they're doing like pop-ups in manhattan and stuff but i mean it i'm really curious to see if if they end up pushing a little bit into the u.s and making some more headway uh, versus you know last time they did pretty darn well in india and not necessarily in whatever other countries they launched in. Um, so with the price increase, because this is a bit more than the first phone, this has a faster processor. It's the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1, which was last fall's flagship processor. Uh, it's got a 6.7-inch display. Uh, it's just generally like a little bit larger display. The phone is a little more premium than last year. Um, and I think, I know Andrew has one as well, and... One of the things you were saying was that you really liked the way it felt in your hand because of the curved glass on the back. Yeah, it's it's like almost perfect. Like I I think the first thing I said to Nick after I got mine was uh, 
this is what I want my the next iPhone to feel like. Right. It's even better than the the iPhone 11 Pro, which felt really, really good in the hand with the curved sides before they went to the iPhone 4-esque. Yeah, the flat, just, the flat yeah. sides. Yeah. So, yeah, this, this, and that was definitely the first thing I noticed when I pulled it out of the box, because when you look at it face up, it looks identical to phone one. If you turn the display on, you can tell the bezels are slightly smaller. Uh, but as soon as you turn it over, yeah, that, that raised glass on the back because it's curved definitely has a nicer aesthetic. Um, and I think, in general, their design is just really good, right? And this is the same thing last year. Like, the phone is very eye-catching. All the packaging is super well-designed. Like, you can tell these people are going for the design angle. And everything about this phone screams, you know, I want you to think this is top-notch design. Um, and, and part of that, too, is Nothing OS 2, which is, I mean, at least from what I've used, a, a pretty substantial upgrade from the first gen. And a lot of that just comes in being cohesive. Uh, whereas last year it was like, oh, well, they customize like this one little section or they have like two apps that have their style. But for the most part, it felt like a stock Android phone with a bunch of lights on the back, right? Whereas this, this definitely feels way more like a nothing phone or you know a, a phone from another company that's trying to differentiate itself based on design. And a lot of the UI is uh, grayscale. It's monochromatic. Um, it uses like this dot matrix kind of look that you've probably seen in screenshots and stuff. Uh, all of the apps that they have, the weather app, the recorder app, they have a new uh, glyph composer app that you can make your own ringtones using different sounds and the lights on the back. And like, there's just a lot of really fun, interesting things that if you want to buy a phone just to play with some cool toy and enjoy something that's a little more unique and just a little bit different from the normal stuff out there. I I would say it's a it's a nice buy. Like it's an attractive phone, it's a good phone. It doesn't necessarily do anything the best out of any phone on the market, but there's really nothing bad about this phone, right? Like it's it's just a good phone, and especially for 600 bucks. I think really in the US the only real competition at 600 bucks is a Pixel 7. Or an S23 and, on sale. Yeah, and S23 on sale, exactly. Like, if I'm just looking at MSRP, it's it's Pixel 7. And even with the S23, I guess, so S23 would give you a faster processor, but it would be worse battery life. But it'd be better cameras. The Pixel 7, yeah. Well, and, and the Pixel 7 is same kind of thing, better cameras, except it's worse performance and worse battery life. Yeah. So this is kind of a nice middle ground for those things. Um, the charging is faster than either Samsung or Google um, have on their phones. It's, it's 45 watt PPS and it charges fast. It's not that uh, hokey 45 watt nonsense from Samsung that's like 45 watts for five minutes and then goes back down. <laughs> so it's not safe like Samsung's um, is what you're saying. Sure. Two points that I just wanted to address real quick is uh, be on the lookout for an article that will likely be published on Saturday or Sunday from Michelle Rahman, who, as you guys are aware, he um, is now freelancing for us and doing an article a week. But he actually is going to be doing a review of the Nothing OS 
Um, and, and that's going to be his article. So the fact that you mentioned that, Nick, is very interesting, that you felt that it was a lot more cohesive, a lot more put together. Um, it, it, I mean, I guess that kind of goes to show what the company is trying to do. But the second point that I, I'm curious to get your you guys' opinion on is um, I feel like this phone is not very um, compatible for people like with accessibility issues, so specifically with people who might suffer from epilepsy um and can't see flickering lights because the whole concept of this phone is flickering lights and like yeah the back panel is all like lights and like going flashing and stuff and I, I don't know i was just thinking about that and i was just thinking like that kind of uh essentially knocks out an entire number of people who who might not be able to use this phone yeah well you can you can i you have valid points and that's very true in terms of like looking at it from like just the the market perspective there you can you can turn it turn off, off the glyphs but then yeah. the, the and whole, it's not enabled by they're not enabled by default right but the whole point of the phone's design is to have those lights that's what makes it so unique right yeah i agree with that i would agree yeah so, i like I mean, it just because it's see-through sure he's just fishing for a gimmick there are more people who can't abide a phone with flashing lights than there are who will buy this phone period uh, and and I don't want to say he doesn't care about those people because I don't know maybe he does care deeply and that's why they're not enabled by default. But that's a market he doesn't doesn't want. Mm-hmm. He he wants the two and a half million people who read technology websites every day on the internet are the only people who are going to be interested in his phone, and that's the only people he's he really is catering to. With this, you know, fancy design, all everybody else just goes to Verizon and buys whatever they sell cheap, sure, and uses their phone and doesn't care. So, I mean, he's got a a, a particular market, a, a segment of the market that he wants to capture, and and you know, I'm not like I said, I don't I'm not saying he doesn't care about people with epilepsy. It's he just doesn't care. Yeah, sure, and and. That was what I was going to say earlier, too, when we were talking about the Glyph interface, right? So, this thing's cool. Um, they improved it quite a bit over the first one. Uh, it's gotten more LED zones. Uh, they have third-party integration um, with apps. Right now, it's only Uber. But, you know, I think the hope, obviously, is that more apps will start to use this a little differently than, than just being a notification light for you. Um, you can customize. Can you elaborate on that? What do you mean by uh, that? So with Uber, right, what it'll do is when you're waiting for your ride, there one of the LEDs on the back will be um, uh, like a progress bar. So the, the light will oh, get see that? That's smaller. That's freaking cool. But then at the same time, it's like, oh, I, I don't know. It, it's, uh, it's cool because it's like, okay, you can just hold your phone and glance down at it and be like, oh, they're almost here. Instead yeah. of like turning your screen on and sitting yeah. there on your phone and stuff, like you can be a little more present. And I know that was kind of their language in their marketing was, we've designed this interface for you to be more present so you can stick it on your table face down and it effectively goes into like a do not disturb mode. And then any apps or notifications that you set as priority will light the interface up and then you can customize, you know, oh, I only want the top right one lit up for when my wife messages me or something like that, right? So there are some some interesting points to the Glyph interface, but I can't say that I ever found myself using it. Well, 
And like, I forced myself to use it a bit, but I had to force myself and I didn't stick with it. I'm going to go way back here. Uh, you remember Blackberries had a trackball? Yes. It, it lit up. You could make the light. Oh, I remember on the trackball different colors or yeah. different amounts of flashes depending on who called it. And you know what? Nobody cared. Yep. Nobody gave a flying F. And yep. That's history's going to repeat itself. No matter how cool we think it is, n- most people just don't care. Which is, um, that's interesting. It's like, why even create, I mean, I, it still boggles up my mind where, you know, you just want to cater to a specific audience and that's it. I mean, that's, that's really what it is. This is a gimmick phone. That's what it is. Sure. And more power to him. He's, he's got the attention of, like I said, 2 million people, however many it is that read these kind of websites every day. He's got their attention, and that's what he wants. Yeah. Yep. And and if it does as well as the first one, or even slightly better, then hey, yeah, I think they won because from what from what we can tell, they made a pretty decent profit on the first one, and that includes paying all three hundred something of their employees, and that doesn't include however many you know uh, earbuds or whatever else they're going to make. They end up selling. Right. Yeah, so, and I mean, I, mean, I guess... A, he's a businessman. Yeah, man. yeah. He's a smart business. Yep. For sure. And, and you know, at the end of the day, maybe, like, that really isn't their goal or his goal or, you know, to, to hit that mainstream market. I think he's just like, I want to just deal with a, a niche market, and that's all that matters to me. And, and you know, I, I think deep down inside, he wants to hit that one idea that everybody loves. Mm-hmm. Not just for financial gain, but because he can give something that everybody loves that and yeah. wants to have. Yeah. I just don't think this is it, but yeah. keep trying. Yeah, I agree. Okay. On that note, let's take a quick break. Uh, we've got some more fun stuff to talk about. We'll be right back. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract interview and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. Indeed's streamlined hiring with powerful tools that find you matched candidates. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed data from the U.S. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search according to US's Indeed data. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com ACP. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com ACP. Indeed.com slash ACP. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so um, as you know, the days have gone by in social media and all the different platforms that have come up. One thing that everyone is now talking about is threads. Uh, Lord have you. I have had to do so many radio hits about this new platform. And I don't even know if I like it, to be honest. So if you are living under a rock, which I'm sure you're not, Threads is uh, Meta's new social media app to rival Twitter. Um, And I guess over uh, in the past five days, um, Mark Zuckerberg uh, has claimed that uh, Threads by Instagram has surpassed 100 million signups. 
uh, I'm gonna. I, I have. I have thoughts about this before we. I get to what you guys have to say. Um, there are so many issues with claiming that your thing has reached um, what over a million signups a day. First of all, um, anyone who has Instagram can log in and create an account. Second of all, I didn't even know that if you want to delete your threads, you have to delete your Instagram. So most people are probably just leaving their account because, you know, they don't want to delete their Instagram because they're more active on Instagram after testing out threads. And they're like, I don't really like threads. Third of all, this number is just people signing up. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, people who are sticking to the platform and who are actually using the platform. I want to know the real number of active users. And obviously we I don't would love to as well. Yeah, I, I, we don't never we, know. We don't know that number. Obviously, we're, we're not going to know that anytime soon. But it, it really frustrates me when when big tech CEOs come out and they say, oh, like, you know, we created this oh, like 100 million signups in five days. We're rivaling Twitter like it's a load a baloney dude like tell us sure. th the real active number of users and tell us who's actually sticking i think i've done three threads literally since the day that i signed up for it i have done three it doesn't matter you're an active user because you don't want to delete your instagram account exactly so you have an active account but no but but an active it, user is an active user because you have an active account or is an active user someone who's actually using the interface it, well, they, they're never going to tell how many people actually open the app and use it. An active user is somebody who has it installed and keeps it going. Even even Google does that with Play Store, you know, active users. So ridiculous. If, if your phone has the Play Store on it, you're an active user. Anyways, those are my two cents. What are your thoughts on threads? And do you guys like it? I know, Nick, you use it a bit, but um, yeah. I, don't, I don't know so how I, you like it. I like it. Um I've mostly been using it because people have been dumping on Twitter and it's like, all right, well, at, this at least seems like a proper Twitter rival, right? Like all the other ones up until now have been like, yes. okay, maybe, yeah. maybe in like five years, it'll have enough users for me to give a crap about. But this thing potentially has enough users now that it is actually a Twitter rival. I mean, if we'll just assume that a hundred million people signed up and maybe most of those are still opening it once a day okay and that now means that they're already at a quarter of twitter's user base because twitter yeah. is 450 million accounts 100 percent, 100 percent. so that's a huge huge win for meta and i know you and i've seen lots of other people say that about instagram but you still have to download a separate app yeah, you still have yeah. to install something on you your do. phone and click a bunch of buttons you don't just tap a button on Instagram and you're automatically there, right? Like there is still right. some sort of process for this that peop enough people are going, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. And they download it and try it. Uh, if, if anybody can, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's a social media king. Yeah. He was dethroned, but that doesn't mean he won't be king again. My only issue with all of this is meta having this much power over our data sure right i think yep. that is the thing that i have been contemplating quite a bit you know with meta you have instagram and you have facebook so already if you are users who have both of those platforms which i'm sure a lot of people do you're now adding to the number of data that's being collected by you because of threads and i i feel very off-putting 
or off-putted rather um, with one company holding that much information about me. Yes. Granted, uh, granted, I have stopped using Facebook for, for a number of years, but up until the point that I was using it, all of that information is owned by Facebook or Meta. I did use Instagram for quite a bit. I still use Instagram, not as much as I do as I do anymore, but um, it, it's so it's so concerning to me. It really is. Well, you know, uh, about that, I we work for a, a website that deals with Google. And if you want to talk about one company having all of your data, it's Google. But that's that's not how you should look at it. And this is coming from me, and I hate anybody having any data about me. What do you get in return? If if you really enjoy this, you know, this, this Threads program, uh, yeah, trade your data for it. That's That's what the cost is, is your data. But if you don't or don't think you will or aren't really that interested in social media don't ever even sign up don't don't give them your data your your data is currency and that's the way everybody needs to think about it now speaking of that i know when this first came out i think the day or two days before the app actually debuted um it got listed on the play store and the apple app store and of course with those listings you get the list of permissions that it requires to install yeah. And the list for this thing, it doesn't matter what monitor you use, you got to scroll, okay? Like, it's long. Dang. But I want to know, how is that different from Facebook or any of yeah. Meta's other apps? Yeah. Is it? Right. I would, I would like to know. Did people freak no. out? Yeah, I, I haven't actually looked. Yeah, me too. Because I didn't care about it until this very conversation. I, I think <laughs> people stopped freaking out about Facebook a couple years ago, you know, after the 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 whole Cambridge de- Analytica yeah that that debacle e- everybody went and looked at what Facebook harvests from people but everybody seemed to stop caring yeah I think the I think the other thing that that people are probably like I think one of the reasons why people are overlooking so much of this is because um of how much people are hating on Twitter um and we've we've kind of seen this weird demise with Twitter, especially more recently, because everything is either blowing up in, in a really bad way or everything is going behind a paywall and people don't want to pay for accessing those things like TweetDeck or now I think you can only view a certain number of tweets like regular users. It's like a thousand tweets. And like if you have a blue check mark or if you're subscribed to Twitter blue, it's like, I don't know, a, a much more than that. But it's like. All of these things, it just makes a person just not want to use a platform like Twitter. All of these things just make sure. like, and especially like, like, for example, like me, I was a very much of it. I was, I, I use Twitter heavily and now I'm just like, I don't care. I don't, I don't, I barely go on the platform. And when I do, I'm constantly worried like, oh my gosh, am I going to go over my limit of tweets I can view? Like, and then I just stop using Twitter because I'm like, screw yeah. this. Like, well, I, I, I'll tell you, there, there's a cookie on my browser. And I didn't delete it because I think it's funny. Uh, I was kicked off of Twitter, but not in a normal way. My account is still accessible and they won't allow me to delete my data. But if I try to visit Twitter, I get redirected to try to recover my account only to get a message that my account is not recoverable. That's it. I can't even see what you list on Twitter wow. unless I open up a different browser. That's so crazy. Interesting. For me, I'm just going to go where the most users are. And right now it's still Twitter. Um, 
if that changes and threads ends up being the most used thing, that's what I'm going to use the most. Yeah. Because primarily I use that thing for work. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and some of it is personal. But really personal means me posting about a game I played or yeah. something like I'm not posting my kids pictures. I don't I don't use those platforms for that. I don't talk about politics on there like it, it really is mostly a work funneled thing. And so for me, I don't care as much about the data and all that stuff because I really don't post very personal things on there. Yeah, right? for sure. You should still well, I guess... care, man. You're breaking my heart. <laughs> well, I you guess still care. I guess time will tell in terms of what really threads will end up becoming in terms of like, will it stick? Will it be the next Twitter? Um, I, I'm, you know what? I'm just happy to see somebody with money doing something. I, you've got all these other companies that, oh, everybody hates Twitter. Let's, let's try to get their attention. I'm just glad, even if it's, it's meta and, and I don't really trust Mark Zuckerberg that much. I'm just glad to see somebody doing it. Uh, if nothing else, it'll make Twitter better, maybe. Yeah. Somehow. Twitter won't be better until Musk is gone, which is never going to happen unless he sells it back to... Uh, I was going to say, yeah, either he sells it or he... What is it? Is it called disillusion or no? What is it? Dissolves it. Rather, he dissolves it. Um, and, and yeah, I just... I don't see that happening. I don't maybe, know. Maybe they can turn Twitter headquarters into a Halloween store like I saw tweeted this week. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Uh, um, okay, let's talk about um, something that's happening in Google. I mean, there's a lot happening in Google, uh, at Google, rather. Um, so we wrote another news article. It's titled, A Google Exec Resigns with a Damning Note About Its XR Ambitions. So essentially, Google's senior director of engineering re- revealed that he left the company due, due to its unstable commitment to XR. Uh, Mark Lukowski uh, also cited the recent changes in, in AR leadership at Google as one of the reasons he reasons behind his departure. Lukowski's former team has been integrated into two separate divisions responsible for the Made by Google products. Okay, so first and foremost, we know that there's always situations like this happen at Google and and they there's always some senior executive who comes out and says, I'm not happy with the way Google has done this, da 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 da. Sure. You have that at every job. Yeah, you have that yep. at every job. What I'm kind of interested in, and obviously I want to get Nick's perspective, is is the unstable commitment to XR, which we know XR is a thriving-ish industry uh, from what we've seen with Apple and, um, you know, Meta with with its Quest uh, products and um, obviously with the PSVR 2 and all of that. What are your thoughts on this? I'm going to play devil's advocate first. So Mark Lukowski was previously Meta's AR operating system head. Huh, interesting. Without getting too much in the weeds, Meta canceled its XR operating system in favor of just sticking with Android for the foreseeable future. He then moved over to Google and essentially headed the same thing with a different company, and now he's leaving again. So, so what you're if saying he's part of the problem? I was gonna say, are you saying he's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to throw the guy under the bus, but this is now you're, two you're companies saying he's, he's the been problem. at, and the same thing happened. <laughs> oh so my gosh! Is this a problem with Meta and Google as companies and their organization, or is this a problem with? certain groups of people that are constantly going to these different companies doing the same thing and Mm -hmm. potentially 
making the same mistakes. Well, I what, think it's both. Well, I was going to ask, what, can you explain to us what he was doing, though? Like, what, what was he doing that he did at both companies? I have no idea. He was, he was <laughs> the head of their operating system <laughs> okay, development. Fair. So whatever, whatever that does, right? Okay, okay. Jerry, I, I think what you, were you going to say? Got a, you've got a guy who's passionate about what he does. Fair. Right. But fair. you've got two businesses that they're technology businesses that they don't have any they don't care about anything except money that, mm. that's you got to remember that these, yeah, these are businesses mm -hmm. and yeah they, google doesn't care about xr google cares about making money from xr if it doesn't see the return it's going to say no we're not doing this no we're not doing that and then the guy who's passionate about it gets fed up and quits yep mm. i don't think anybody's wrong here it's just they're going to butt heads Yes, and so so my next one was maybe he's just incompatible with these companies. So yeah. he has a vision, and both of these companies, who remember, are both ninety eight percent ad driven. Okay, both Meta and Google make ninety eight percent of their money from the ads that they sell online. And if that product that you're making doesn't serve to sell ads in some way, shape, or form then it's going to get demoted in the priority list. And therefore, whatever vision you have is probably not going to come to fruition if you can't yeah. figure out how to integrate the core purpose of the company. At, at this point, the, the guy either needs to bend or he needs to form his own company and try it. I was going right. to say, I don't know if he'll be <laughs> successful, though. <laughs> well, he might not. And, and, and maybe he can join Apple because Apple's company structure is entirely different from Meta and Google, right? They don't make 98% of their money off of ads. They make it off of products that they make 400% markup on or more, right? Like, right. That's how they make their money, that or services. Right. So if he has a vision that will work with that a little better, maybe he will do better there. Now with that said. Wait, wait. I think, okay. I think um, all right, all right, all right. Andrew was going to say something. I already forgot. So good. <laughs> ah, well, okay, go, go, Nick. I don't actually think Google cares about XR. Really? No. Shocking. They don't. They Google doesn't have. care about anything except how they can make money oh from it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I see. Where, whereas I think Meta does care about XR because I think Zuckerberg cares about it, and he's been the one pushing a lot of this. Yeah. He so got, to didn't he get told by the shareholders to stop spending money on on AR VR? Yeah. Yeah, and he probably told him to screw off because right. he likes it. It's his pet project. Because he dumped project. billions into it and it kept losing money. Yeah. I mean, it, it, Quest makes them money relatively, but all of their other stuff at uh, Reality Labs is definitely a sink. Now, some of the... I don't want to get too off track here, but you know, some of the stuff they've spent billions on includes AI because Reality Labs is literally an umbrella for a gazillion things that meta does so just throwing ar or vr under that and saying that's the whole reason is not correct <laughs> i i nick correct me if i if i'm wrong there's no real money in ar vr xr yet uh i would say yes with the exception of quest i think quest has been the the sort of shining beacon in that because quest has made meta like two billion dollars since the first one came out, which is not a small sum of money, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not whatever they spend quarterly I mean, on it, it's, their it's R&D. It's enough to keep doing it, yeah. Yes, it's, it's enough for somebody to go, 
Yeah, there's a future in this. Even if there's very small margins, we're still making something as long as we're not dumping too much R&D into this one piece. So which you I think need, that's where he always gets away with. You need saying, somebody like Zuckerberg to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Yes. And eventually you'll strike on that idea that makes you tens of billions of dollars. Right. And I think on the Google side, Clay Bavor, who we talked about, I think on the last podcast, Ruthie, maybe it was the previous one, um, he was the one that was heading the AR glasses huh. uh, development at Google, and he left. And I, I have a feeling he was sort of the last one that was pushing for this stuff. And when he left, uh, Lakovsky was probably like, you know what? I don't have anybody else in the room. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no more kindred souls left. Yeah, for you that's it. We're just leaning nobody against. else here to, to bond with. You know, I just, I just hope uh, Lukovsky gets uh, an idea of what he's going to do with his life next. Because <laughs> I don't. Like, <laughs> good luck well, to him. According to Nick, he's unemployable. He's, he's the downfall of both Ouch. Meta and, and Google. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe he made enough money off of these where he can just sit on an island and somewhere in Fiji or something and sip some cocktails. I, I hope the guy goes and strikes out on his own. He'll fail. I, I, I hate to say that, but. He might come up with the right idea. Sure. And somebody like Apple snatch him up and well, use that idea yeah. and, and do something cool. I was going to say, well, that's what Nick was saying. Like, I think if he goes to a company like Apple, whose vision is completely different than Google and Meta, then he might be successful. But, you know, I guess who really who really knows? Yep. We'll see. What's going to happen? Um, okay, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll talk more about Google and uh, things about Bard. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. If your business earns millions or tens of millions of revenue, stop what you're doing and take a listen because NetSuite by Oracle has just rolled out the best offer we've seen. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control you need to make better decisions faster. And for the first time in NetSuite's 25 years as the number one cloud financial system, you can defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six months. That's no payment and no interest for six months, and you can take advantage of this special financing offer today. NetSuite is number one because they give your business everything you need in real time, all in one place to reduce manual processes, boost efficiency, build forecasts, and increase productivity across every department. Over 36,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite, gaining visibility and control over their financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. If you've been sizing NetSuite up to make the switch, then you know this deal is unprecedented. No interest, no payments. Take advantage of the special financing offer at netsuite.com android. netsuite.com android to get the visibility and control you need to weather any storm. NetSuite.com slash Android. Alrighty. Um, so the next two topics I want to talk about are both related to BARD. One is interesting because it's, you know, the the new additions and future features that are involved with BARD, Google BARD. Um, and then, of course, <laughs> the second article is about how uh, human trainers uh, for Google Bard are claiming they are frustrated with convoluted tasks. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but let's talk about these new features uh, that Google Bard uh, has, um, basically expanding 
to other countries. Uh, it's available to, to Brazil and across Europe. Bard also gets new customizable responsible responses, styles, and tones. Bard uses users can upload images with prompts for the AI chatbot to analyze. Uh, the, the conversions on Bard can now be pinned, renamed, and shared across users. All, all really cool um, features. Do we like them? Do we think that these are the features that Bard needs? What do you guys think? Bard needs an app. Nobody gives a shit. Plain and simple. There you go. Mic drop. I don't think it needs an app. <laughs> Everybody has the app that runs Bard on their phone and every other. It's called a web browser. It's just if you want an app, put a shortcut to Bard on your home screen and it'll open it in an app. I I I think the issue. What what what's their goal? What do they they want to do with this? It's it's. Chat GPT Bard, yeah, okay, yeah, it, it it's cool. It's a robot that you can talk to. Where does it go from there? Not anything customer facing. It's true though. Like, what what are they even like? Okay, great. You know what? What's the point now? What's next? Here's here's my question. Right? Did Google learn from Stadia enough to roll Bard out correctly? And I know they seem to be two completely disparate types of products. But I think both of them are served best when they run within another app or service rather than on their own. So they, when they launched Stadia, they tried to launch it like a console, right? And Google, as much as we love them for some things, does not have the heart to launch a console. Okay, this, this goes back to the XR conversation too. I just don't think they have the heart to, to launch this kind of platform or even product, right? Whereas... I don't know. I, I think they are, they, they're just, they are better when they run within something, like I said. So after, after they sort of realized this with Stadia, they pulled back, and now Stadia runs in several different back-end things. So when you want to preview a game or use, like, AT&T's game streaming service or something, that uses Stadia, right? Yeah, now they and, probably make money from Stadia. Exactly. So I think... If they've learned anything from the Stadia debacle, that these types of services are better when they are not their own thing. So I would disagree with Andrew in that I don't think it needs an app. I think it needs to be within a bunch of other apps. It needs to be integrated. It needs to be integrated. Right. And I don't, I don't know about you all, but I've tried using uh, Bing GPT in Edge because I use Edge as my main browser and it's everywhere. It's the big old fat button on the the mobile browser. It's the big blue button on the top right of the desktop browser. Like they repeatedly tell you it's there and try to remind you to use it. And I've tried it a few times and I just don't care. I have no desire to search like this. It doesn't do anything for me. Whereas I think if I were to go to, I don't even know, maybe my doctor's website and they had Bard sitting on there, it might be easier to ask that thing questions in that context versus going to Google and typing out something and trying to figure it out that way. And I don't really know why. Maybe it's just the way my brain works. I, I don't know. Wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if Bard could schedule your next doctor's appointment? Yeah. yeah. And, that, so, and, that, and that's know. what I mean. Like, I feel like that is where this needs to go yeah. versus just being uh, another type of Google search. If you recall, that was their goal when they first started showing off conversational AI. Remember the whole make a, a haircutting appointment 
thing they showed at Google yep. I.O. a few oh, years yeah, back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, that's where this all started. We can say, oh, oh, OpenAI did all this. No, they just copied Google. 100%, and, and, yeah. But, but Google had a completely different idea what to do with it back then. And Google tried to play catch up, you know, to, to make a, oh, here's a robot you can chat with. Sure. That, that wasn't the goal. And, and I don't think that's the end game for these products. No, I, I don't think so either. But I, I do want to talk about that second article because I think that kind of affects the way Bard is going to is getting produced essentially and, and obviously these are all claims but as i mentioned the the title of the article is google bards human trainers claim they are frustrated with convoluted tasks um essentially c- contract workers training google bard google's bard claim working conditions are frustrating and six point task instructions are convoluted uh, workers are often tasked with auditing and answer within three minutes Contractors are concerned with BARD's inaccuracies. However, the guidelines state they do not need to conduct a rigorous fact check. Aside from these bad working conditions, which is so um, concerning and obviously problematic, the thing that worries me is that when you have people who are trying to, to make this work and they're saying that they're having to do a rigorous fact check as opposed to something that is more um, accurate, like... It, it makes me wonder, like, well, not only are are we trying to question, like, what is Google's Bard doing? Like, are they trying to integrate it with something? But will it really be an effective tool? It, it, will it be accurate when you have workers who are complaining about working conditions, but also how their potential working conditions could lead to inaccuracies in right. dealing with Bard? Like, that, to me, is really concerning. And I think maybe that's another reason why I haven't been using, like, GPT more often, right? Because I know that some of the stuff it tells you is inaccurate. And I don't necessarily trust that it's going to give me the right information. And this kind of tells me that I'm right. Does it not? Yeah. If 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 you don't know what a raider is and you're listening to this, go to go to Google or Bard GPT Jet Bing, whatever, and and search the word raider. Companies like Google use them for all sorts of tasks, and I don't know where the name originated, but that's these people are raiders, and they they not raider raider r a t e r. They have a a difficult job. They have a a, a a a guidance of what they have to do to get paid a very little bit for each time they do it, and they always have bad working conditions. They're always complaining about, well, hell, uh, the raiders for YouTube music just went on strike and held big pickets in front of one of the offices here recently. It's not surprising that the, the raiders that train Bard are saying they have bad working conditions and they don't like what they have to do because none of them do. And this is a bigger problem throughout the industry and not just Google. All tech companies use freelance workers to help this kind of thing especially as we move to ai maybe this is it's it's time to look at this as in the big picture if all of these people are saying their work conditions suck maybe we need to force these companies to provide better work conditions for all of them but you know they're like and it's not just Google's not the exception. This is every tech company. Right. Um, you know, they're not going to care because they want to figure out how they can make 
the biggest bang for their buck by paying for less. Like, we all know that. Well, maybe it's time for, you know, the senator from Washington. Uh, she's very concerned about this sort of thing. And yeah. the senator from Oregon, who's also concerned about this sort of thing, maybe it's time they look into it. I guess, the, the, uh, and this is the other part that kind of stresses me out as well, is just like, we're the average reader, average consumer um, is using, you know, something like ChatGPT or Google Bard without really understanding the implications of using a product like this that could spew out inaccurate information to you and is being delivered to you by workers who are in bad working conditions and who are told to not do rigorous fact checks and are told or at least claiming that they are told this that to me is also very concerning like i i, I haven't seen the 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 criteria they use for to train you know for trainers for bard i have seen it for youtube though for youtube music uh I'm going to guess that these people's main job is to make sure that nothing offensive or illegal or too vulgar is, is displayed to the person who requested it. And, and beyond that, anything else they can do, great. But if you get a date wrong or, you know, miscredit somebody, they don't care. As long as you don't show gory pictures or pictures of naked people to someone, that's that's what we really so need. Wild, right? It's it's more about content filtering for the purposes of adhering to laws, right? Versus or or, or even just to to CYA for legality purposes, right? right? And, and and if they wanted these people to do more, they would have to provide more time and more money. Sure. So Google's never going to want them to do more. Just so wild. I'm also curious about user numbers. We were talking about that earlier with Threads and. You know, part of the threads thing was like, oh, it's surpassed chat GPT by X amount of weeks or whatever. Right. And in the sign up to 100 million or 50 million or whatever the number was. But, you know, how many of those people are still using chat GPT or Bing GPT or Bard or whatever chat AI bot we're, we're talking about today? Right. Like, do people just go in there and type in a few questions and go, oh, that was cool. And then never use Probably. it again. Probably. Probably. <laughs> like. I, I, again, like as a main search function, is this actually something people want? Is this something people are using? Is this something they're returning to? Or is this just better for the random thing that you need to put it in to make it work better? Are, are you part of the labs? I know, Andrew, you are. The labs for Google search that... Yes. Is, okay. That's kind of useful. If you take... Most of it isn't. I will be the first one to admit that. <laughs> right. uh, you If you... Take the time to look at it, and if you're not, you, you should sign up to test this and see what the next version of search is going to try to look like. Uh, sometimes it, it shows some really useful information up there. Uh, when, when this comes more mainstream, I think that's when we can determine you know, how many people are actually using it and enjoy using it. That's fair. Yeah, yeah that that's makes true. sense. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. I, I still think my favorite uh, sort of proof of concept that I've seen is in that one Golf Plus VR game where you have an AI caddy and you can tell him, I want a course that I can practice on on the beach or whatever. And 
it generates a course for you. And that's the kind of crap I really <laughs> will use because that Fair. stuff is cool. Fair enough. And it's actually really useful too. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay. Well, if no one has any other thoughts on good old Bard, um, let's get to, well, going once, going twice. Anyone have any last thoughts they want to say? No? Okay. Cool. Then we'll get to my favorite part, which is, uh, what he made, what made you happy this past week? Um, so who wants to go first? I can go. <laughs> Unless Andrew's really pining to go. No, you're good. You're good. All right. So. As you all probably know, and I said in the Nothing Phone 2 review section, uh, a lot of phones and a lot of screens make me pretty sick these days. And I finally went to the optometrist two weeks ago. I said optometrist right correctly. Yes, not orthodontist this time. Great. No, okay, you good. said it correctly. <laughs> I said orthodontist. And somebody was like, did you go to the orthodontist to get your eyes checked? Dear God, too many doctors start with O. I'm sorry. Anyway, so I went to the correct eye doctor and got like a detailed eye test, which includes all kinds of crazy stuff I didn't even know existed. Blowing air in your eye to check your eye pressure and all sorts of... It's the worst thing ever. It's, it's crazy. So, I had no idea this whole Have you ever existed, gotten right? your eyes... Like, did you did you get your eyes dilated? Oh, yeah. Oh, and I that was, hate uh, that. That was real interesting. I and then, And then they flashed them with real bright light so they could see, like, the back of my oh, eyeball yeah. and stuff. Oh, man, it was... Uh, so weird. It was fascinating. I'll give it that. I had so many questions for the people, I'm sure they wanted me to shut up. <laughs> Um, but anyway, it resulted in me learning that my left eye has an astigmatism, and that is linked very heavily to PWM sensitivity. And so far, in the last four days since I've had my glasses, I can use the Nothing Phone 2 all day, and it doesn't make me sick. And if I use it for three minutes without my glasses, my head is Ooh, killing me. That's, that's <laughs> so, rough. I am really, really hoping that yeah. this just fixes this and this can go away and life can get back to normal. Yeah, we are happy. We are hoping that everything goes. Heck yeah. Goes well. Um, I guess, Andrew, you you seemed excited. Do you want to go next? Yeah, Prime Day's over. <laughs> we can do stuff that we actually care about again. Oh, uh, yeah, fair. I mean, I, you are supposed to say something that's not work related, but, you know. I'll give you that. Oh, I don't care. I'll give you that, that. That just means you can finally start playing Tears of the Kingdom is what that means. Yeah. Uh, yes, a, yes. Got, don't new, say no. Just new, say yes. A new toy came in today. That was that, <laughs> that great. Handheld. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. Okay, uh, Jerry, what made you happy this past week? Uh, ooh, see, I'm sitting here racking my brain. Uh, I already, I, 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 had, I know what made you happy this past week if you don't have something else. You, uh, you well, I just was going to say I had a great visit with family uh, that's exactly what i was gonna July. say because yeah because they, they stayed an extra day on monday right yeah although the saturday we we could basically couldn't go outside because of all the smoke so my goal of teaching my granddaughter how to barbecue kind of went off kilter but uh sunday and monday that eased up and and we had a wonderful time that's lovely so that's that's always good to have and I need little kids around me to keep me young. And, and we both, me and little kids, kind of think the same. So <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay, well, for me, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm happy Prime Day's over. It was successful. And, uh, yeah, I know. I know. I'm breaking my own rule, whatever. Um, but, yeah, apart from that, I mean, um, more of life this week has been great. It's been chill. I've been reading a lot. <laughs> That's what's making me happy. <laughs> uh, 
And uh, yeah, I'm just grateful for working with all of you lovely people for being so wonderful. Um, okay, well, on that note, uh, I'm going to end and say wherever you're listening to us, whether it's in the morning, afternoon, or night, thank you so much for taking the time and listening to us. We truly appreciate it. And we will catch you guys very soon. Bye.